Collective Left by Mabel Watson Center, an independent feminist nonprofit comprehensive health care provider in Bangor, Maine. Join us as we explore topics that impact our sexual and reproductive health and lives. Here's your host, Aspen Rulin. Aspen uses they, them pronouns and is our client and community advocate. Welcome back to another episode of Reproductive Left. I'm your host, Aspen. I use they, them pronouns. And today I'll be chatting with Hannah Lord about doulas, lactation, and autonomy. Hannah, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, yes, I'm Hannah. Uh, My pronouns are she, her. I am originally from North Carolina, but I'm living here in Maine now and have been for 10-ish years. Um, I was a single teen parent and um, I've had two abortions and I've been a surrogate for two dads. So I've had this full spectrum of reproductive experiences. And throughout that, I have been a full spectrum doula for folks. Um, I'm also a childbirth educator, a, a, a certified lactation counselor. And as time went on, I started to get more involved with uh, creating more of systemic change. And so I, you know, worked for the Paid Family Medical Leave campaign in our state. Um, I am on Mabel Wadsworth's advocacy committee. I'm on two committees with the Maine State Breastfeeding Coalition. And I'm on the Maine uh, Doula Coalition, where we're currently writing a bill in with the goal that not only is doula work accessible for everyone, but also doula work is sustainable for everyone who wants to be a doula. So yeah, that's, and I'm an owner of Peony Doula um, comp- business company. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for joining me and for telling our listeners about all of that. And I mean, yeah, like you said, you know, you've experienced and you are still very deeply involved with like the full spectrum of of reproductive care and experience. Um, With that, let's jump into questions. And this first one, I think, is a really good one to start us off with, which is, can you explain for our listeners what a doula is and what role or roles they fell? And following up to that, are there different kinds of doulas? Yeah, so a doula is um, a educational support, and not to minimize that although we can provide education, it's really to complement our clients' own inner wisdom. Um, I like to say that we like to support folks in stepping into their own power and feeling like they um, they have confidence in their, their reproductive experience, whatever that might look like. Um, it's also emotional support. It's physical support, um, providing comfort techniques, for instance, for somebody who Um, might have discomfort during um, an abortion, pregnancy loss, or uh, during birth. Um, And it's just unapologetically providing support and care work, really. And I think another huge piece is advocacy, whether that looks like helping people feel empowered to advocate for themselves. But I think it's important to know that when folks are going through certain reproductive experiences. Sometimes even the, you know, most incredible activist in your community, it can, as even though 
they can advocate for other people. Sometimes it's really hard to advocate for yourself. So to have another person that's really, you know, in your court, you know, to be able to, um, to, to understand you and, and to be able to create a, a bridge between providers because we don't give clinical care typically. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of building that bridge of communication between um, somebody who might be getting clinical care, whether that be at an abortion clinic, at a hospital, home birth midwife, et cetera. Um, really just helping kind of bridge that, um, that communication. Um, so yeah. <laughs> Thank you for mentioning. I was going to ask a little like follow-up question with this because you mentioned, you know, that like that might be someone who's getting care at an abortion clinic. And I think that, for people who maybe know a little bit about doulas, but not a lot, there is kind of just that association with people who are continuing pregnancies mm -hmm. and that doula being a support person, like through the pregnancy and through birth, which is also a like very important and vital role. But that is also being a support through accessing abortion care. And in fact, there are doulas who like that is their area of focus. That is their area of specialty. Um, I was actually just talking in a webinar at the time of recording last night, at the time you're listening to this a few weeks ago. Um, but I was talking with one of our friends over at Lovering down in New Hampshire mm -hmm. and how the Reproductive Freedom Fund of New Hampshire, one of the volunteer services they have are abortion doulas who like are providing support to people who are like having abortions. Um, mm -hmm. Additionally, I've also seen, I'll fully admit, I don't know a lot about this, though love the concept, um, death doulas who are providing support for people who are in hospice. Um, so I think that, yeah, like how you described doulas as being like that bridge, that connector, that support is, I mean, such an important role. And like that aspect of like pregnancy and birth, hugely important, but that doulas also have roles other places too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and apologize for brought to answer that as well, but yeah, doulas can support folks through a multitude of life transitions. Um, it could look like um, through fertility. So I've supported folks at a fertility clinic while they're getting their egg retrieval. Um, or it could look like supporting folks um, through loss, um, through an abortion, through uh, a termination for medical reasons, through pregnancy, through birth, postpartum. And those are all roles that I play. And mm -hmm. admittedly, I don't, I'm not um, trained or actively work. Not that you necessarily need to be trained to be a doula. There are folks um, especially in, for instance, indigenous communities where this wisdom has been passed down. <laughs> and I think the way doulas are right now, it's kind of um, colonized in that we expect these like training certification organizations. And, and I am trained um, because I didn't have that wisdom passed down from me, but I just want to clarify that. But, but there are folks who do death doula support, like you had mentioned, um, similar to like, um, not the same role as a chaplain, but, you know, similar kind of um, role. 
um, there, or even I've um, heard of doulas supporting folks who are trans, queer, non-binary, going through um, transitions. So um, yeah, and which it's such an incredible role that there are folks doing that. As a cis person myself, I don't um, feel comfortable filling that role because I think there are awesome trans folks who have that lived experience who would be able to better support folks through that experience. Um, not that I don't love all my trans friends as they're going through their transitions, but um, but yeah. <laughs> I will also say just real quick, when I uh, first started at Mabel's and I was shadowing in clinic, um, I shadowed two IUD placements. And because, you know, we had someone other than the provider in the room, I was providing support to the patients. And so I was like joking that that day I got to be an IUD doula, which was like pretty fun. Um, what would you say is the relationship between doulas and autonomy? It's no secret that we kind of live under this medical industrial complex that, you know, is rooted in white supremacy, um, you know, transphobia, homophobia, um, you know, we, especially in reproduction, and I don't want to get into a full history lesson here, but, um, you know, a lot of these systems are um, created through the inhumane um medical experimentation of an indigenous and black um femme folks so to 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 understand that these this this medical system that we have there are definitely barriers and gaps there are mm -hmm. definitely ways in which um folks are are mistreated um and although there's been so much progress and and not to say that um there aren't uh, situations where medical care is needed it's always great to have somebody there who is truly centering you your needs knows your wants knows um you know and has the time because i think another piece is when people are getting medical care and especially as we've just we're coming out of this pandemic where folks are uh, where healthcare workers are burned out and people get overlooked mm. people get rushed through people come in with a bunch of questions and that aren't answered <laughs> and so for a doula who, you know, we're not clinical, but we have a lot of the clinical knowledge. Mm. Sometimes it may look like we can answer a question or provide evidence-based information, or even just say, hey, what does your gut feel? And like, it's okay to trust that too. Sometimes mm. it looks like standing up and saying like, hey, it's okay to bug your provider, call mm -hmm. them again. Like, or it's okay, you know, it's okay to ask them, uh, a nurse to come back in, you know, during, um, during your birth and answer a question for you. Um, because I think especially feminine queer folks, we tend to not want to take up space mm. and we tend to be dismissed. <laughs> and there's so many layers of fat phobia. Um, like I said, homophobia, transphobia, um, racism, 
within Mm. these medical industrial complexes that are all layers to this. And I think doulas know that and we understand that. And so we can really just slow things down and really help people feel empowered to not to, to feel like their, their needs matter and that their care matters. So I hope that was a good. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that, I think that really covers it. And I mean, like, you know, what you said with the first question about the role of doulas and like education and advocacy, I mean, that just like, yeah, that goes hand in hand with the role of doulas and autonomy. Uh, And with that, let's take a quick break for a Mabel's fast fact. About 75% of people with vaginas don't orgasm from penetrative sex alone. Learn more in our show notes or at MabelWadsworth.org. And we're back. Um, So I want to switch gears a little bit from doula stuff. And I mean, it's related, but um, I want to hear your thoughts on lactation and autonomy. And how is this particularly an issue for marginalized folks? Yeah, so I think representation in the lactation world is definitely um, progressing in the past few years but also can do work. You know, when we think about um, who is, if you go into Target and you look at all the lactation items that you may need, you know, who are the people you see on the boxes? It's probably mostly white folks. And, and, And so I think that's a huge piece as to why, you know, there, we have this, um, infant um, perinatal mortality crisis going on right now in the U.S. that we are, of course, you know, um, seeing that it is correlated with um, systemic racism within the medical world, but also that representation of providers. That's important too. How are we putting barriers up where, you know, marginalized communities um, how can they become lactation specialists themselves? You know, how, where, where do we see lactation being, um, recognized things like paid family medical leave that has statistically, um, supported folks, marginalized folks having longer lactation, um, relationships with their children. And, and of course, you know, and, and also, not putting shame on folks for if they decide that they don't want to um body feed chest feed um absolutely and and in supporting folks in the ways that that works for their families and then i also think there's a piece of in the lactation world you know transphobia that it in in and also towards you know other queer families, because for instance, last summer, um, you know, there was starting to have research on trans women um, lactating. And all of a sudden, all these lactation specialists were like, this is horrible. These these trans women need to go on these meds and these meds are going to be harmful to the babies. 
well, these were the same exact medications that a intended um, cis mother who might have had a baby um, through surrogacy was using to lactate. Same medication that an adoptive mom who was using these medications to lactate. Same medications that um, a lesbian couple or the non-gestational parent um, was um, lactating to feed the baby. Same medication, same medication trans men may use after top surgery um, to help increase their supply. So all of a sudden there was like this this kind of transphobic fear around lactation. And, and I think that speaks to, again, representation in the lactation world. I went to a conference over the summer in Bethesda and um, out of hundreds of people, I think I was one of 10 queer people there. Um, and so how can we make these trainings accessible for folks to be able to be lactation specialists so people can um, have lactation specialists that have similar lived experiences as them and understand them. And so, yes. <laughs> and I think another, um, thing which you like did hint at, but just like, I have a friend, actually, I have two different like friend couples who both had babies very recently within like a month of each other. And that like, I'm very close with, and, um, you know, one of these couples is doing breastfeeding and the other one is doing formula feeding. And I think one of the things that a lot of people just like, either they don't know it, they don't realize it, or they just don't care is how much goddamn work breastfeeding, chest feeding, body feeding is. And like you mentioned, like how like PFML benefits people because if you have to go right back to work, even if you buy like, you know, a breast pump, like, do you have the time and space to pump every three hours? Because if you don't, then your supply is going to dry up. So like, there is this, like, there's often this like unfair expectation on people who like do not have the resources and time is a resource and labor is a resource um that there is this unfair expectation on people that like oh well you have to do this um and that really brings us into the um, next question that i had which is that if i'm sure everyone who's listening now has noticed to a degree that if you are a parent to a baby especially a birthing parent there is no shortage of judgment for how you feed your child like if you breast chest body feed your child there are people who are judging you if you pump and bottle feed your child there are people who are judging you if you formula feed your child there are people who are judging you um how do we balance lactation, formula feeding, and autonomy together. Yeah, absolutely. I guess I can give a little bit of my own lived experience. Um, you know, I was a teen single parent with my son, and I remember being at one OBGYN appointment before I switched to a midwife and them kind of shaming me because I didn't want to sign up for the free formula. And I really, really, really wanted to breastfeed my son. and that and my mom who was a NICU nurse and I'm her only child um she was unable to breastfeed me and so I had this um complete anxiety my whole pregnancy around will I be able to um breastfeed 
you know, will I be able to feed my son in the way that I choose in the way that, um, I want to, I want to, to care for my son. And I think it was diminished because I was seen as, you know, immature or, um, not responsible because I was a teen parent because I was young and single and naive looking. And so when I became a lactation specialist, I took that lived experience and I said, people didn't trust me and what I wanted to choose to do. So I'm going to trust other people and what it's not necessarily even a choice at all the time. Sometimes it's just what is best for your family. It's what your intuition is telling you. It's what, you know, you feel in your gut, in your heart is right. And society is coming around you and, and giving you so, like you said, so many little voices are, are coming in. And so, so my, my right to, you know, to feed my child with my body, which ended up being easier for me as a single parent who didn't want to get up and do bottles. And, 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 you know, I, I bed shared with my son and, you know, I didn't have support systems. Um, but then I have clients whose lives, they have different circumstances in their life. You know, maybe they're a trauma survivor and lactation is really, really difficult for them. Um, maybe they really love exclusive pumping and nobody should tell them that exclusive pumping isn't enough compared to feeding a baby from their chest. You know, maybe their baby had time in the NICU. Maybe they're going through a postpartum mood disorder and this Mm -hmm. is, you know, is making the experience more difficult. Maybe they need to go back to a certain job. And although, you know, legislation has worked hard to pass things like the pump acts. So people have spaces to be able to, um, pump while they're working. Um, I I think next they're working on helping people who work in, uh, on airlines (laughs) to be able to have a space to pump. Um, cause that's still, not included in the pump back from my understanding, but like you said, pumping and body feeding is not free. It's, no, it's, great, not. That, it's great that, yeah, <laughs> sorry. It's, <laughs> I was just going to say, it's great that, you know, I think under the Obamacare Act, they pass for pumps to uh, be covered by insurance, but also those pumps burn out all the little pieces to those pumps. Sometimes people get a pump from their free insurance and realize that their chest doesn't respond to it in the way it should. Like it, it should. And I have quotation marks there because it's not your body, it's the pump. You know, you need all the different phalanges. You need to replace the pieces and also your time. What you, you know, like in sociology, what they call this reproductive gestational labor. Exactly. <laughs> that we just take for granted. And- and um, a couple thoughts that I just had with what you'd said. One, when you mentioned the whole like, you know, like how you feed your baby is like determining what's best for your family, because like you'll hear people all the time talk about like, well, these studies show that breastfeeding has these long term health impacts. And it's like, actually, like, listen, I am like so pro 
breast, chest, body feeding, if that's what works for someone, the fact that our bodies can make food is cool as hell. Uh, But when you take those studies about the long-term health impacts of um, like human milk and having that as your primary food source from infancy, um, and you control those studies for poverty and discrimination and things like that, um, all of a sudden, that data is not as clear cut. The biggest indicators of long-term health income, health outcome are income level. Um, so like there are, there are systemic things that we need to work on. Um, but with the whole, like what's best for your family, you are part of your family. Like you mentioned all these different reasons why, like, you know, whether it's like direct breast chest body feeding or pumping or just like, you know, formula makes more sense. Um, You as the person who like is capable of lactating, you are part of your family and your well-being is so goddamn important. And one of the things I was thinking with this, like, I think it's, I definitely think it's important to be aware that there's so many different life circumstances that impact how someone's going to feed their baby. But to me, this is really similar to abortion. It is no one's goddamn business why someone is having an abortion beyond that that person is getting the support they need. Um, And it's similar. Like, it is not my business why one of my friends is formula feeding and one of my friends is breastfeeding beyond if they want to talk to me about it and if there's support I can offer. Exactly. I think what we sh- the goal should be access to be able to make the choice to body feed, chest pe- feed, if that is what the person wants to do. Like, how can we create systems that to support them through that um, access to support people, but also access to formula? We are just coming out of a formula crisis, mm-hmm. probably still, you know, being impacted in some places. Um, and and that's that's absolutely just as tragic as you know as the the lack of access to human milk and 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 there's awesome resources on getting like donor milk for instance but also like i completely understand why people don't feel comfortable getting donor milk online from somebody you don't know um donor milk at the hospital, although with the Main State Breastfeeding Coalition, we have, uh, you know, worked on a bill um, for donor milk reimbursement, um, but fine tooth combing, like once it's passed, it's like, you still have to, you know, Aspen, you still have to like get it oh, for yeah. your insurance. Yeah. <laughs> Things like mm-hmm. I can't even explain articulately, but, um, but also like understanding like there for some people culturally, donor milk is not an option and there's pressure on people whose religion might be against using donor milk Mm -hmm. and and you know I've heard lactation specialists in our community say well we just need to educate them no you just need to respect people's religion (laughs) um and and that is you know um good lord yeah (laughs) so um yeah. <laughs> Hannah, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. And I just wanted to check if there are any final thoughts that you wanted to share with our listeners that we didn't get to, or if we covered it all. 
gosh, I, I can't think of anything. Um, I mean, we did cover a lot. We covered a lot. We covered, we definitely covered a lot. And I guess I just really love how you intersected abortion and lactation and birth. And I think that really, when we think of reproductive justice, which I'm sure your listeners know, but just a refresher on the right to have a child, the right to not have a child, the right to raise a child, the right to raise a child in a healthy, safe environment. I think all of these pieces of really, you know, the birth world can feel so divided on who, you know, has access to, to care for their child in this way, who has access to be able to have the birth choices that they desire, who has access to have an abortion. Like this is all intersected. Um, and, um, I think it's really important to to name, you know, right now as we're witnessing um, the genocide happening in Gaza, understanding that that also is a reproductive justice um, issue. And um, I've been looking at statistics from an organization, Care International, around, um, and also there on NPR yesterday as well, talking about... Um, People are having cesareans without medication. Without any anesthesia, without anything. I will give the context that the day of recording is November 10th, just so that if there's like anything like very big, otherwise reproductive justice that's related to this that happens in Gaza between now and the show coming out, it is not that we're ignoring it. It's that as of recording, it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that, Aspen. And, and, and babies that... Um, you know, need to be on an um, incubator. A, an incubator. Yes, thank you. Um, our, you know, fuel is running out. Electricity is is being um, uh, is being um, what's the word? Not retained, but but t- you know, not they're not getting the supplies they need. And and as in in a four hour. Um, humanitarian pause is not enough if the bombs keep continuing. So I just wanted to mention that because as much as it's important to think about the ways in the U.S. um, are impacting people, um, also just thinking about all of these systems are connected and our liberation is also the liberation of Palestinian people. So (laughs) that um, you can't use formula if you don't have clean water and if you can't and you can't produce breast milk when you don't have enough food um (laughs) thank you again so much for joining me today and thank you to our listeners for listening this is our final fall autonomy season episode we will see you back again in january and uh thank you again for joining us thank you